look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Basil Carmel and my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. How about you? Look at how I'm dressed for you. Look at this. I know. You're kind of like that springy fashion. It's looking I'm, good. I'm ready for a weather change. Yeah, you know? look good. I know. It's well, going to snow on Sunday, but no, whatever. Know, right? You're going to get a weather change, but we'd, we'd <laughs> like, to, like to just keep it like it is today. I, for those of you <laughs> who can't see, because you guys are on the radio, we also have our video show on this one. And I've got a nice ensemble, and I, I love your socks, the Eiffel Tower socks. Eiffel Very Towers, nice. yeah. It's, it's, it's a unique day for dressing up a little bit different today for both of us <laughs> because things are looking a little bit different yeah. in the markets, yeah. in the economy. Uh, I'm going to call it a, uh, two different major stories. One that's, that really caught my attention this week was COVID is no longer the number one issue when it comes to professional portfolio managers around the world. They're not, they don't think that's the biggest issue anymore. Moving on. Moving on, the weather change. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Mm. What they were concerned about was taxes, right. was inflation, was taper tantrums. We're going back to the old fundamental econ economics and, and how people are going to be spending money. Yeah, well, don't... Uh, yes, that's true. That's not necessarily where all of our listeners are and our viewers, because COVID is still front and center. And we actually had some news this week about vaccinations being halted again, right? Paused. Mm -hmm. Yep. That scares people. Yep. Right? I was reading some material, uh, actually a Bloomberg article I found interesting, that in the United States, it looks like COVID vaccinations, in some states, one in three of the doses are not being used. They're on the shelf. So... Where, where is this again? In some states oh, in the United states. states. Sorry, okay. Yeah. And so there's questions going to not start arising about, hmm, have all the people that want to be vaccinated been vaccinated? What's left? Can we get to herd immunity? Right, that'll be on people's minds. So there's lots of well, moving the same parts. Some information's happening here in Alberta, and we've got a great right. guest coming on our show today. Yeah, we've got an ICU doctor here in Calgary, who's going to talk about his experiences of what's going on from that level. Right. By the time it gets to him, it's serious. Yeah, you don't want to meet him professionally, right? It's a yeah. bad day. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you don't even want to meet him personally. No, he's, yeah, that's right. He's a unique cat. <laughs> Dr. George is <laughs> it's fantastic. He's a good personal friend of ours. He'll give us the straight goods. But it's going to be, this is going to be the, the difference, right? We're going to experience um, the, the health side of this. We've got numbers that are blowing up again. We've got a third wave coming, right? So people are dealing with the isolation again and the health reality of it. Portfolio managers and uh, economics are looking much better than they did last year. Yep. Right, but we've also got to make some sense of the different asset classes, right? Because how things are moving around and is inflation coming, not incoming, evaluations appropriate, so on and so forth. Because we're in earnings season, right? We we kicked off earnings season, so there's lots to talk about. But let's give a sense of what this show is going to be, right? So clearly, we want to talk a little bit about the pandemic, where it is, where are we in Alberta, how is it affecting us, what do we see, what is Dr. George C. coming? Um, as a result of, of his experience yeah, in the ICU. He's got some interesting ideas of what's going to happen this summer. Yeah. I really want to ask him about how does he see it about this summer? Can we have the stampede back? 
can we actually open up more? Like, what are his thoughts on that? I, I'm, uh, we've had some oh, yeah. sidebar conversations with him. You bet. On this, and so it's been interesting to hear his perspective. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him about that. And then, looks like uh, we've got um, a robotics company out of Calgary, right? Who's created a robot that helps specifically uh, seniors trying to navigate technology to communicate within family and friends, right? So it's an interesting transition. Lots of people have become more comfortable with technology mm -hmm. through this, right? We've talked for years about the role technology is going to play as we age, not just in healthcare, but social isolation, dealing with a whole bunch of different problems. And here we, we can highlight a Calgary company that's doing its bit. What, what I find interesting about where, where we are in this pandemic is there's a lot of things that individuals are doing now right. that they were never comfortable doing. Right. Um, communicating electronically, video, so forth. For a lot of the demographic, uh, over the age of 50 was not a highly utilized demo on that technology. Right. They've been forced to do it. They've been connecting. They're, they're late adopters to technology. Yep. One of the best examples I can give is Facebook. The fastest growing demographic of people going on to Facebook now is people over the age of 50. I'll put my hand up. Yeah, you, you took a while, man. I did. You took a while. Mm -hmm. Now, if you ask our kids, yep. your youngest is 10, turning 11? No, she'll be 13 this summer, actually. Your youngest 13. My youngest is 11, yeah. turning 12. Yeah. If you ask them, do you go on Facebook? They say, no, that's for old people. I know. I was on it. I was on Facebook literally this past week. And she says, oh, you're on Facebook, right? And she's never been on Facebook, never seen Facebook. Yeah. Amazing. She skipped that entire... Yep gone Facebook revolution that's happened you bet. but that platform has allowed many like my father to see pictures of his grandchildren and his family members around the world right and so he's adopted to that now and so what I'm going to be interested to see is how does this robotics and communication <clears throat> will this demographic of the 50 plus crowd in Canada keep that part of their lifestyle right adopt it so that even if they go back to what we consider a new normal of open and economy traveling will they still use that right. technology to continue to that actually opens up where people can be anywhere right right i haven't seen my dad in so long he's <laughs> like okay i'm gonna go and head off to ecuador for mm -hmm. a month we'll just talk on zoom yeah you know i i'm gonna be very interested to see that too i think there's some lasting changes here there's no question but I think there could be a snapback as well, right? We've had to rely on technology for so long. Yep. There's going to be a snapback when we can to get back for actual personal contact yep. with people, right? So the next two years, really going to be very interesting. I think we're going to have the next two years, a battle of, is it Zoom or is it in the room? Right. Where do you want to be? Right. Do you want to be in the room with that person or do you want to be on Zoom? And I think that's going to be a very interesting trend, which opens up a different talk about communication and yep. talks about technology and the opportunities of the future when it comes to people folios. Yep. When you look at the market this week, anything come up in your mind that uh, yeah. that you saw that was a aha moment for you? Well, listen, we're, we, we just started uh, S&P 500 earnings season this, this week with the big banks in the U.S. reporting. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they all beat expectations, some more than others, and there was a bit of sloppiness uh, in some of their earnings reports. But the fact is we've got equity markets that have moved higher, right? Not just talking about the banks. In general, you've got equity markets that have moved higher, and at some point, earnings are going to have to justify valuations. So the next six weeks of the reporting is going to be very, very interesting to see 
if uh, these companies are, uh, if their, their future earnings forecasts are being justified. Now, having said that, at the same time, we've got rapid reopening of economies. So, yep. been lots of economic data this week, uh, a tremendous amount of strength in terms of the economic reports coming to the United States. Consumers are spending. Remember, they've gotten this most recent stimulus check that was sent out, and they spent it. And they've taken us to uh, above pre-pandemic levels. So consumer spending, which makes up two-thirds mm -hmm. of our economic GDP in Canada and the United States and developed Europe, okay, we've got consumer spending. We talked about that pent-up demand wave, right, yep. as a potential stimulus package. You saw the same in China this week, yep. <clears throat> right? The two big economic engines. We haven't, uh, we haven't seen Europe yet, but uh, same thing. Consumer spending way above expectation, GDP growth. Very high. So this is what we're going to be dealing with over the coming weeks. What I'm going to be looking for, um, well, because I have no life, I, I read all this stuff, is not what the earnings have happened or the earnings expectation of analysts. Right. What I'll be spending my time on is looking at the guidance from management of their own individual companies and see how confident they are, because that will dictate investment spending, uh, growth within their company, hiring, so right. forth. If they are cautiously optimistic, which is what we're hearing so far, that doesn't mean it's going to be a big all boom again and everybody's going to get their jobs back. That's the driver because when stimulus stops, that's a concern. So it's going to mm. it's going to be choppy. I think it's going to be really choppy, and yep. I would not be surprised if we don't have proper forward guidance from management of these companies. The big ones that are big move makers and and deal makers. Yep. If we don't see that, we're going to probably see a nice little correction in the market Q3 of this year. I would not be surprised if that happens. Um, by correction, you're saying 10%? Yeah, 10, 15%. Yeah. I would yeah. not be surprised. Yeah, yeah. And those, those happen regularly. I mean, that scares people when you hear it. These things happen regularly, right? Correct. But I'm giving the warning it's going to probably happen if we don't get proper forward guidance from management Correct. on these companies. That's a big concern for me. Okay, that's a fair comment. Let's leave it there. Um, we do have to make sense of this because we have to invest in a way that both profits and protects people yes. right, throughout their own retirement. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, what if there is a negative market happening in the near term how, and pulls back? How does that impact in the short run? And how does large swings in your portfolio impact your retirement? How do you bulletproof your retirement? We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Now, you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. And uh, tune in after the break. We're going to have a Calgary Robotics firm help us connect with our loved ones going forward. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we've talked about uh, technology, I mean, certainly before the pandemic. Yep. But we're talking about technology connecting us together uh, through this pandemic like we have never talked before and people are becoming more comfortable with it. Okay? No doubt that we would like to have a hybrid model where we can actually interact with people personally, but technology is playing a bigger and bigger role. Here's what I think <clears throat> happened over the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, there was technology out there that would allow us to communicate with people. Right. Now we're experiencing something different through this pandemic, so we want to have connection with people. Oh, that's a good distinction. Okay. And this connection is really needed in times like this. And we know in this demographic of people over the age, especially over the age of 65, yep. require a lot more connection because 
social isolation, the pandemic, all these other issues that come on, we need connection. And I'm happy to say that we've got a Calgary company who's yep. figured this out. Yep, absolutely. We've got a great guest today, Savannah Radley, entrepreneur, founder of Radley Robots. Savannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. Well, as are we. Um, just so you know a bit of context, I have a mother that's in a long-term care facility, um, and social isolation um, was a problem. It was more of a problem, however, when she lived in her own home. And I think this pandemic is probably going to change people's perception going forward about long-term care facilities versus I want to age in home as long as possible, which means I think this potential problem could get bigger and bigger in the future. And let's flip it on my side of the story. My <coughs> father, 76 years of age, widower, living at home by himself, um, on the other side of town mm -hmm. from me. So it's not like we can just walk down the street and see him. Um, and there is a growing concern as he ages over the next 20 years uh, of him being more and more isolated because it just happens when people's lives get busy and so forth. So I'm not looking for communication. That's why I kind of said this. Yeah. Both of us would like to have not only communication, but connection with our parents. Right. And this is not, we're not anomalies in the situation. There's a lot of people like that. So I, I, I really want to learn more about what does uh, Radley Robotics basically do and how does that, that connection really come into play? Certainly. Certainly. Well, I would say that actually both of your stories are very familiar to us as we've, you know, had conversations with potential customers over the last uh, probably about two years. I started on this journey, it would have been about March of 2019. Um, and what we do is uh, so we're starting focused within facilities. Uh, so we, are, we do have a pilot running right now with Silvera for Seniors who are here in Calgary. They have about 25 facilities uh, in town and we have robots in one, soon to be two of them as we are and what we're doing primarily is facilitating uh, video calls now it sounds really simple and you think to yourself gosh doesn't everybody know how to use zoom doesn't everyone know how to use an ipad uh, however <laughs> we found first of all uh, lots of people don't <laughs> lots of people actually don't they're not that comfortable with ipads uh, oftentimes even my own mother you know she might sort of accidentally swipe left or right and then she loses the screen and then she's like oh gosh what am i going to do next um, this happens it happens a lot with both people who are within facilities and people who are at home attempting to connect but the interesting thing that we found was when we started working with the population within silvera one of the key things they said was, well, I, I would say, you know, would you, what do you think about calling, you know, your son? And they would say, well, they're ever so busy. They're, they're too busy to talk to me. I don't know when to call them. And so part of what we do is we work with the people on the outside, the people on the inside to find the right time when people have time to connect and have a good conversation. Uh, and then we'll, once we've set up the time, we drive the robot to the resident and the resident doesn't have to do anything. They don't have to learn how to navigate new technology. They don't have to manipulate an iPad. We position the robot in a place that's good for them. And then the person on the outside simply clicks a link to come in and have the conversation with them. They have their conversation, it's finished, and then we drive the robot back to the docking station. It sounds like a really simple use case, but it's really interesting um, how we've you know, discovered challenges as we work through it. But uh, overall, I think it's been going pretty well. Savannah, I'd like to know your experience in how seniors in particular are responding to a robot. Uh, what's their comfort level? Great question. 
you know, we had a we had an introductory meeting uh, during the first week that we, we sort of were, were there. And there, these are people. So Silvera actually had uh, suggested to people that they could use iPads. They got some donated iPads and they tried to distribute them. And about half of the people in the facility picked them up and started working with them. And about half didn't really, they weren't interested um, for a range of reasons. When we had robots in, the people actually who were interested in iPads, they also said, yes, absolutely, I want to try it. And I said, okay, isn't that interesting that early adopters, we have early adopters in every age category. If you're somebody who likes to try new things, yeah. then you're going to go try a new thing. It doesn't matter if you're 90, you're totally up for it. Whereas uh, then there are other people certainly who have said, get that thing away from me. I don't want it anywhere near me. Um, and But what has helped is that I've been there a lot as sort of acting as the ambassador. People do achieve, so first of all, they achieve a certain comfort level when things are in place for longer. So once it's there, you know, they kind of get used to it rolling around. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the robot. And especially if I or a member of my team is there, so saying, hey, here's an actual person on the on the robot. It's not an automatic something. It's not a Terminator robot. It's not going to come and get you. <laughs> um, and then people are like, oh, I say, look, there's Dave. And they're like, oh, hi, Dave. And, and they they realize that there's a real person back there, and that really helps right. with the uh, the comfort factor. So, what are the re what are the early results here that you're seeing? Any stories you can share with us about um, how this has made an impact or a difference with anybody? Uh, I would say so. We do have one early adopter who has been tremendously enthusiastic, uh, and basically gave us a lift a list of kind of eight or nine members of her family. And we booked calls kind of every couple of days. She was somebody who hadn't particularly wanted to go into a facility. Uh, she yeah. had been forced to because she was living alone. Her partner was in long-term care. So, you know, she was, and the family was being called to called on to do more and more in terms of support, which is, I think, the situation again, right. that we will all be in. And so eventually they had said, okay, you got to go, uh, which she did. Uh, but she, I think it's, she's been, I find it really funny that when, when we take the robot into her, she's like, oh, I just want to keep him. I just want to keep him all the time because yeah. she really likes. That, that's what I was going to ask Savannah. I was going to ask that question is, do you start do you start to see going in the future with your company, your business, that you're going to be putting robots in every home? I'm thinking of the iRobot vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Like everybody pretty much that I know now in my friend circle has one because who the heck wants to vacuum the house now that you can have this own robot, your family members can have this robot. And then all of a sudden you can communicate whenever you want, however you want. And it's like, you're there, but you're like, you're physically there yeah. versus an iPad, which you actually have to connect to and, and not have that feeling of, that there's a, it a is, being there. I'll tell you what's really interesting about, about these are telepresence robots. That's really their kind of official name is telepresence robots. And this whole idea of being an avatar, it's kind of the closest you're going to get to teleporting for the in, in the near future, yeah. because it allows you yeah. to go beyond the screen. Now, you don't have to hold up the iPad to show me your like what your new living room layout is. I can actually drive yeah. around and see it myself. You can just show yeah. me. You can say, hey, let's go look at the view out of, the, out of my new home window. It's awesome. And then I can go and agree with you. It's it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting experience and we are actually planning a bit of a showcase for potential clients and investors so that people can understand how being in a in another place with agency 
really helps. Yeah. And I'll just go back to Savannah. Um, yeah, please. Sorry, I, I was just thinking from my situation, where my father's alone in his house. It would be neat um, as he ages and I get more and more concerned about his health. Biggest risk that we know when you're living alone or you're, as you're aging is a fall. Yep. Yep. And if he falls and I don't talk to him for a day and a half or two days, yep. I wouldn't know. Right. But this robot, if possible, the technology is available where I could hit an emergency button, it turns on, I can see what's going on in the house. That would be cool. Yeah, your dad might not like you uh, spying. Well, I won't press emergency. He he would. <laughs> he would actually press emergency. I mean, what are you doing? What are you eating? Put that away. Yeah, yeah he'd do it on you. That's, that's, right. that's bad for you, Faith. Yeah, so I can see that happening. But well, you bring up some really interesting points, right? So, so this whole idea. So, first of all, everyone hates drop-in video calls. Let me just be clear. And no yeah, one, right. nobody likes them, which is one of the reasons why we have a scheduling element to things because. You know, just all of a sudden the right. screen pops up and you're like, hmm, what am I doing? You know, have I gotten dressed yet today? Maybe not. Right. So yeah, yeah, you got it. Right, you yeah. got to watch it. Plus, there is a whole issue around ethics and and, you know, who makes the decisions. Right. As your people get older, you don't have power of attorney over them yet. So you can't you can't yep. demand it. You can't kind of mandate it. So there's certainly a lot of a lot of kind of uh, careful areas that we're trying to navigate. But in terms of uh, an appliance, uh, I, I see these totally as home health appliances that will become more and more common. I think uh, seeing them in facilities will help people accept and help people understand is a real technology. It's here. Um, it works. And, and it will become more affordable and accessible. I mean, what we're doing is, is renting and providing a service so that people don't have to buy the asset because the assets can be yeah, expensive. Yeah. So this way people can try it out and, and not pay thousands of dollars for a thing. Savannah, thank you. We're gonna have to leave it there. We've, uh, we've uh, run out of time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was really fun talking to you guys. It was a real pleasure. We've been joined by Savannah Radley, entrepreneur and also the founder of Radley Robots. All right, we got to figure out how to make all this stuff fit into a lifestyle going forward. This is a lifestyle. This is also now put this this one technology. Mm -hmm. It's not an expense in your income side. It's a healthcare expense. It is a healthcare asset right. that you will have to acquire over time. Technology is the way. How do you pay for all these things through your retirement? We're going to walk you through how to bulletproof all those issues at our upcoming webinar on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m. Live online. Now you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. We're going to go right into the ICU after the break to find out what's happening in Calgary with the third wave. Join us after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We're in the third wave now, my friend. There's lots going on. Yeah. Right? We talked earlier in the show about, uh, you know, the weird experience that people are having from an investment perspective and the investment community looking past COVID. But listen, as human beings, we're, we're living the third wave right now. And what, what people are hearing is what's happening on the streets, right. in restaurants, at schools. Yeah. They're hearing about hospitalizations and they just get a small um, sliver of information about right. ICU. How many people are in the ICU? That's it. That's right. How many people passed away? How many people are in the ICU? They don't understand fully what's really happening in the ICU. Yep. And so that's why I wanted to bring our guest on, a reoccurring guest of ours, to talk about not only what's happening in the ICU, but when you're working in that environment, it kind of gives you an idea of where things are headed towards. Yep. So, so although, it's a, in the future, right? although it's a 
lagging indicator. It's also a leading indicator for what policy may happen. And right. so I wanted to bring on the show Dr. George Al Alvarez. He's the ICU doctor here in Calgary. Uh, Dr. George, welcome to the show. Glad to be back. It's, uh, it's been a while. I think the last time we spoke, we were talking about legalizing marijuana, which seems like such a distant past topic. Yes, it's been a long time that we've had you on, and, and the topic has definitely changed, mm -hmm. and more in your back alley, literally, when it comes to what you're experiencing. And so let's talk about those viruses, the cases. Um, tell me a bit more about how this whole situation is in, uh, impacting the third wave and your experience in the ICU. Uh, there's a whole bunch of questions in there, so maybe I'll answer, try to answer them one at a time. I will say I've been doing critical care for over 20 years of my career, and these last two waves have been the busiest I've ever been in my career by a long shot. Meaning when I show up to work, I do a week of work with another colleague as we alternate call, I have never seen the sickness level, the amount of patients, the intensity, and in particular, which I think scares most of us, is how much younger the patients are coming in with each sequential wave. It's, uh, it's pretty scary. Okay, so uh, we keep hearing about the race against the variants. Maybe give us an update as to what's happening right now uh, in your ICU and what role the variants are playing. You know, maybe not to reiterate what I'm sure lots of people are getting off their news feeds. I mean, it's, it's well established now that the uh, B117 or the UK variant is now the dominant strain. It is now accounting for greater than 50% of all new cases. I was actually on service when the very first UK variant came to the Peter Lougheed ICU. I remember being told about it and, you know, being, you know, awestruck and this was in December. Now that's a common thing. We now assume that all variant that the variant is now the dominant strain, uh, accounting for greater than 50%. So I think that's one point. Um, the second one you were asking about the vaccines and how it's affecting the variants. Yeah, George, I'd love to get uh, your your take on um, on on vaccination, right? So just give us your take on should people be vaccinated? Maybe you can speak to some of the health concerns uh, that that we've had with some of those. Uh, vaccines and then and then ultimately you know when when do the vaccines kick in to help us control uh, in your opinion you know uh, the the COVID? Yeah well I'll certainly repeat what many of my colleagues have said and Dina and Shaw does a very good job of doing that there should be zero hesitation for the population at large to have a vaccine uh, I know that you're hearing and reading about and it's certainly being highlighted about extremely rare complications, uh, in particular thromboembolic events or when their blood clots exist with these vaccines. But those are so exceedingly rare that they should not in any way impact people's decision to take the vaccine because the consequence and the outcome uh, of getting um, COVID-19 is so much worse than any adverse side effect. So I think that's one point and I think that's been said many times. So I, I want to re-highlight that. Uh, number two, I think people think vaccines are 100% effective. They are not. I mean, the literature clearly states that people can get the, uh, the disease even without a vaccine. It's, uh, you know, one of the reasons why vaccines change every year and we have to get the flu vaccine every year. It's because the, uh, 
the virus is much, much smarter. Um, three, I will be surprised if we don't see another variant uh, coming through. I know that there's three main variants that we talk about, but the speed with which this, this virus is replicating uh, is almost impossible to believe. And you just have to think about, you know, a human, like we've kind of been organized for 10,000 years. We may have been around for 100,000 uh, as we've evolved, we've dropped the appendix, uh, but that's about it. Otherwise, we've essentially been the same, other than maybe a little bit taller because we have better nutrition. Uh, this virus in one year has du has duplicated itself probably in the billions to trillions of times, which is why variants are occurring. Uh, we as humans do not evolve as quickly as a virus. So uh, we're going to see more variants. I mean, that's my prediction. Um, and then the question that you asked about well, does the vaccine gonna protect us against the variants? Well, the science seems to think so, but we actually won't know that until enough people get vaccinated and we go through the next flu season, which is next November, December, uh, January, which might be depressing for you guys to hear, but really we will only know when enough of the population gets vaccinated and then the next flu season next flu season comes, which COVID definitely will be the predominant virus in that. So I've always said that uh, individuals like yourself in the ICU is a lagging indicator of what's happening, but also a leading indicator of where policy may be taking place. Let's talk about the summer. Should we, uh, should we expect to be back in, into full swing, stampede, everything that we also saw during the summertime happen this summer? I would be shocked if that's the case. Uh, you just have to look at the raw numbers. Anybody can go online and take a look at this. But a year ago, exactly a year ago in April, we had less than 200 cases. In May, we had less than 400 cases. We are certainly going to eclipse 2,000 cases per day in Alberta in this month. So we're already 10 times more than we were in the first wave. Um, and then you guys all remember last summer, so the hangover effect of having so many more cases and then the trickle down of so many more cases means they're gonna be more hospitalizations, which means they're gonna be more ICU, which means they're gonna to have to cancel elective surgery and so on and so on. Uh, I cannot imagine that the summer will be anywhere near the last summer uh, and uh, we will have more measures or lockdowns hanging around for longer because this just just simply take longer to burn out Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put you in the hot seat just a little bit, Dr. George. How about all of the travel plans that people are making right now for the end of this year? Uh, you said something earlier about we've got to test this through another flu season. What's your prediction on um, on everybody's fall travel? Well, if you give me a hot tip on a stock, I'll certainly give you my. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, just kidding. So, I don't think anybody should make any plans. Uh, I, I personally believe that you should make no summer plans uh, outside of your own backyard. Uh, you, you guys read the papers just like I do. There is a very serious consideration that uh, they will close interprovincial borders, and I could see why they would do that. I mean, the American border has been essentially closed for a year, and it just keeps getting extended. And now that our case rate is now actually worse than the states per 100,000, although our fatality rate is much better than theirs, uh, I would suspect that administration will say, oh, well, we have our entire population vaccinated by, you know, the 4th of July, but you guys will not even be close. 
So we're going to keep the international border closed. And, I, and, I, and I'm fearful of what's happening in Ontario and what will be coming with us, that people will limit interprovincial travel as, as well. Uh, I would not be surprised if that happens. Dr. George, we have to leave it there. Thanks very much. It's, uh, it's always insightful to get you know, the input from somebody who sees this day to day, and we appreciate you taking the time with us. My pleasure. Stay safe. We've been uh, joined by Dr. George Alvarez, who's an ICU doctor here in, uh, in Calgary and one of the guys that you never want to meet professionally. So Correct. good advice. We should heed it. Um, but we still have to think beyond COVID. Think about what he's saying. If there's further lockdowns, if there's less travel, if there's people are not going to be spending as much, that's an impact to people on the economy, their markets, their, their portfolio, yeah. and their lifestyle yeah. in retirement. We're going to talk about bulletproofing your retirement on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Listen, people will be looking at their performance numbers year over year, and it, uh, it could look pretty spectacular, but it could also spell doom. So stick around after the break. We want to talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Let's, um, let's wrap this very interesting show up with a talk about the past 12 months. Yeah, so when you look at, we just, uh, we just spoke to Dr. George about what's happening in the ICU. That's what's going on right now. Uh, at the top of the hour, we were talking to Savannah about robotics and technology. That's about the future. You're kind of wondering what's going on. Right now, about now, people are looking at their statements. Right or they're having conversations with their advisors, right. and they're seeing the year-over-year year number looking fantastic. In many cases, over 20%. Oh, like crazy numbers in some right. cases, right? And so everything is great. <clears throat> yep. Everything is, is fine. Or is it? Right. And this is where I get really um, concerned. My concern lies with complacency because things are looking good right now. And I'll tell you what people in my industry do tell their clients. It's okay, look, we've recovered. Everything's fine. We lost some money maybe last year or it wasn't going as well last year. But look at where we are now. Things are fine. And my concern with that is that we don't understand the full picture of what people are investing in. The rationale and the strategy and discipline behind right. the portfolio. Right. right. So if everything is going up, and this is where I said, is it the skill of the money manager or is it the will of the market? Right. Skill versus will. Right. And just because your portfolio is up, that doesn't mean your money manager has skill. Right. Yeah. It was the, the, the will of the can, market. The tide can lift all ships. Correct. Right. So if you're up over 20%, now's the time to start questioning, well, what happened last year? How bad was it in my portfolio? And I'll give you an example. We've had people from this show reach out to us and say, hey, last year, during the months of February, March, April, I was down 30, 40%. Right. But I'm back to normal now. I'm back to where I was or I'm close to where I was last year, whatever it may be, from peak to peak. Yep. Okay? Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm okay now. And I said, well, how was that journey? How was that experience during that drop versus what it could have been right. first. So you know what you're feeling. Number two, how is your money manager, your advisor, 
what's their structure and discipline? If the response is, Dave, if the response is, see, we're okay now, just hang in there, then they are not working on skill, they are working on the will of the market. So that means you are at the peril of the market. Right. And during times of transitioning to or living in retirement, when you're drawing your money, now you're at the mercy of the market. Yep. And this is my concern. Well, my concern is, is similar to yours. It's emotion. Um, <clears throat> bad decisions get made in times of crisis, right? People panic. Why? Because emotionally they're scared. The same thing happens. I'm, emo I'm euphoric, right? Or just things are okay. And so I don't practice the discipline that I should be practicing, right? This, this, this to me is it's, it's the opposite of what we experience when it goes down. Now, people generally experience the down much more than they experience the up. We can become apathetic. Correct. And that can lead to the same potential problems. Your Correct. portfolio gets out of control, whatever. Pain creates <clears throat> action more than pleasure. Right. Yeah. And, and we know it. We see it anecdotally, uh, evidentiary, everything, right? But it's the, it's the discipline. So I think the message that we wanted to take when we were talking about this, don't get... Don't get so, uh, lulled into a false sense of security with a great year-over-year -year number, right? March to March is not going to tell you very much because uh, that was the, what, we were Bottom. down 34%, 35% on the S&P 500, Correct. right? 23rd of March was the low. You're capturing that right now. This information doesn't tell you very much. might feel good to look at, but it actually doesn't tell you very much and can be destructive in the overall decision-making process, just like an emotional decision can be when markets are falling. Every time we've seen a rally in the market of greater than 20%, mm -hmm. what do you and I talk about? We talk about uh, rebalancing and taking profit. Taking profits. So we also talk about on the show about now is the time to check your portfolio. Right. Now is the time to scrutinize the structure and discipline. So the questions that people need to ask their advisor, because they went through a not-so-fun experience last year. Right. They're feeling better today. So the question is, how do you prevent me from having that experience again? Right. What is your strategy to prevent a 30% downside, a 20% downside? Or protect my income from volatility. Correct. Right? Or protect my estate and my children, Correct. what they're going to get. Right? Correct. While keeping my taxes low. Right. So now you've got all these problems. So what's the strategy going for? We've learned what we've learned last year. Yep. We know what we know today. What are we going to do going forward? And I can tell you right now, there are a lot of people in our industry and a lot of do-it-yourself investors go, just ride it out. Right. Just cross your fingers, pray to the Almighty, and you're good. They're not going to say it in those exact words, but they're going to uh, say... I've actually heard something pretty close to that. But They're going to say, just hang in there. Look, yeah. everything will work itself out. You have nothing to worry about. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And you know, there's there's another side of that. It's um, it's the activity. And we we spoke with somebody recently um, who hasn't done trades. They they did not trade through the crisis, right? So the, on the one hand, you can talk about people who wrote who just say, "Hang in there, it's going to be okay." Then there's the other side of that. What about all the opportunity that presents itself when markets go crazy? Why are you not taking advantage of opportunity? Correct. Right. So it's not all just fear based. But there's opportunity. Yet last year was an extraordinary year, right? There was extraordinary opportunities that presented themselves. Yeah. But you've got to be disciplined, 
and have a process and take advantage of that, right? Really scrutinize the downside of your portfolio. Right. Ask the question, how are you going to prevent me from having that downside in the future? Right. What is the strategy? Not, well, we'll see what happens and we'll figure it out then. Yeah. It's, what's the strategy from now? Right. We don't know what the next downturn or the reason for it is going to happen. We have no clue. Right. But if you have a strategy and a discipline, you know how to deal with the next crisis. Right. And the next crisis is probably going to happen when you need money. Yeah. You, well, when sure. you need income. That, that, and you're older and your risk tolerance has gone down. Right. And the issues in your family have changed. That's when you'll need that, that money and that's when the markets are going to go down. Yeah. And is that the time you want to make drastic changes to your portfolio? Right. Why isn't it now? We're, we've, we've been lucky. The fastest recovery in, in, in history happened. That's exactly right. We're lucky. Yep. This is the only uh, economic crisis that we've been in where the average Canadian hasn't had a decrease in their income thanks to programs like EI and CERB. Yep. So you think it's going to happen the next crisis? They're just going to keep on pumping money out? Who knows? Maybe not. Right. And if the answer is not, then what's going to protect you in your portfolio? And I can tell you, unfortunately, a lot of my peers in the industry have no strategy in place for downside protection. Right. It's only just capture the upside. Right. Who cares about the downside? Or we'll figure it out when we get there. Is that what you want as your strategy going forward? Yeah. Well, the hang on, it's going to be okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's problematic for sure. So here's my challenge to all of you who are watching and listening outside is to go out to your advisor, or if you're a do-it-yourself investor, scrutinize your portfolio and write down, in writing, what is the strategy for downside protection going forward? You'll make the money when the will of the market's pushing. Does your advisor, your money manager, or do you, if you're a do-it-yourself investor, have the skill to protect on the downside? That's the key thing, and that's what you need to look at. So I challenge all of you to do that. Once you've done that, send us a note at morethanmoneyradio.com. Reach out to one of us and let us know uh, how that experience was because we'd love to hear from you on that one. Yeah, I think that's a cool message. Let's talk a little bit about putting it all together, right? So we talk about strategy and discipline with respect to money management, right? Yeah. Portfolio management. But that's only a piece of the puzzle for people Correct. that are moving into and living in retirement, right? Correct. There's a lifestyle uh, issue. And there's lots of components to that, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yep, we're going to talk about that on <clears throat> April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Now, you need to register for this. We're going to show you our discipline, our structure, and how all of this relates to bulletproofing your retirement. On, again, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. So on behalf of Faisal and myself, Dave, thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money. We look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 
David Popowich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popowich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.